Hey, Power People. Welcome to Renewable Rides, powered by Vector. I'm Gareth Evans, the CEO and founder. And I'm Dan Roberts, head of sales. In each episode, we'll uncover the latest trends, learnings, challenges, and triumphs relating to the energy transition, on-site energy, and sustainability through the experiences of our inspiring guests and team here at Vector. So get ready for an exhilarating adventure into the fast-paced world of challenging limits, adapting purposely, and empowering co-creation to accelerate the energy transition with those that are on a mission to create a more resilient, profitable, sustainable, and thriving energy future. So let's go. Welcome everyone back to another episode of Renewable Rides, and it has been quite a ride over the last few weeks. Dan, it has been a mega, mega push the last few weeks for us. Yeah, absolutely. Talk about packing all the events into a very short period of time. It's been uh, absolutely bonkers. Yeah, it feels like between Labor Day and Thanksgiving, every single entity on the planet is trying to get an event squeezed in. But we managed to hit up a good half dozen of them in the last two weeks, including a Pack Expo and RE Plus in Vegas, the Detroit Auto Show, San Diego Innovation Day at Petco Park, as well as conferences at the Pennsylvania Chapter of American Society for Healthcare Engineering, as well as kicking off the Engage program in Atlanta, which was awesome. For those that don't know, Engage is an incredible program led out of Atlanta, connecting some of the biggest corporations in the southeast of the states with exciting startups who are looking to change the world. And so we got to in person meet some incredible people, some incredible corporations and startup founders who are looking to really drive incredible value into the market. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, one in particular that we'll look forward to having on a future episode that's really tackling the challenge of how do you measure and report and mitigate scope three emissions. So uh, more to come on that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, building off the back of the American Society of Healthcare events, you know, one of our investors, Wellstar, and one of the corporate partners that Engage was super motivated to hear their outlook on how do we make the healthcare ecosystem more sustainable globally. And so a lot of work to do there, super exciting. So we should also get them on. But yeah, big takeaway for me was regardless of whether it's healthcare, packaging, car manufacturing, the automotive supply chain in general, everyone is thinking about energy. They're looking at their risks, their opportunities, and they're really not sure where to start, what's possible, where to begin. And I think we'll touch on some of that today. What were your takeaways? Absolutely. Yeah. No, for me, I really enjoyed meeting mostly new people, but seeing some some friendly faces along the way in our travels. My biggest takeaway, which was sort of a humbling experience, was my body telling me that uh, I need to slow down. And, and I think also it emphasizes the importance of constantly taking care of our bodies so we can continue to be more resilient. Towards the end of that two weeks of travel, I, I got kicked in the butt with, uh, with a bit of a fever and not COVID, thankfully, but something that put me into bed and, and forced me to sleep 15 hours in one day and 12 hours in another day. And, and I, I feel a lot better now, but there's a good reminder that we need to take care of our bodies emphasize and and prioritize rest and recuperation among all the excitement that we have going on in our lives. Yeah, I don't think we realize quite in the moment how stressful work travel is on the body, you know, between the travel and the time change itself, sleeping in strange beds, 
meeting people all day every way. So having to be super switched on, but then your recreational activities get disrupted and you're eating not very well. And to make up for it, you drink more coffee and then more alcohol and it becomes this self-deteriorating cycle. And so, yeah, it, it can really catch up with you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But I'm excited for what we're talking about today. Yeah. The pyramid, as we talk about it, in terms of a vector, we think about the energy transition as having four big levers, which we can pull in to achieve our desired energy objectives. And Dan, I'd love you to give us an overview and insight into what the pyramid is and uh, how businesses can think about the energy transition. Yeah, absolutely. So for those that are are consume the podcast on YouTube, I'm actually going to pull up an image that actually shows the the inverted pyramid. But really how we think about it is really in the form of what's going to drive the most enterprise value and deliver the outcomes that we're looking for. So the four major levers are on-site energy and, and maximizing the generation and storage and grid interaction of your facility, energy efficiency. So this can be things like electrification of fossil-based assets. This can be changing set points and behaviors throughout a facility. And many companies have, have started to go on that journey at the very least with switching out LED lighting. But really the whole goal there is reducing your load so that you, you have to consume less, the central grid has to generate less, or you you, you can fulfill uh, more of your load with, with an on-site system. The other two levers are offsite energy or virtual power purchase agreements. Uh, which we can certainly go in much deeper on a, on a future episode. And then the last being carbon accounting, or or really the, the two major levers there being carbon offsets and renewable energy certificates that, that companies can use to, to offset their emissions. So we'll go into much further detail on each of those, but we call it an inverted pyramid because we want to look at from the bottom to the top, what is going to drive the most enterprise value. So really, the offsets and renewable energy certificates sit at the bottom. Offsite PPAs and, and virtual power purchase agreements then kind of deliver a little more enterprise value, but not a ton. But then efficiency and on-site energy are really gonna really gonna drive the most value and, and deliver the outcomes we're looking for. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Dan. I think it's it's super important, isn't it, to think about the enterprise value and where the greatest return on investment for the business is going to be. I think we always hit hard on this point that sustainability should not be at the expense of profitability. I think profitability and sustainability go hand in hand. And that's why we think about it in terms of enterprise value. And I think the importance of the enterprise value filtering back to the three big drivers for businesses, how do we reduce or manage our costs? How do we manage our business risk around power resilience and security? And then also, how do we reduce our, our emissions? One, to do the right thing for our communities and societies, but also to be able to differentiate our businesses, whether it's to our employees, to our customers, to the capital markets, the stock market. These are all very important factors for businesses to consider. And across the inverted pyramid, there's definitely different value stacks for each of them. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I think one way that it can be seen is through the way that we even label or or talk about these things. So when we think about energy generation or storage assets, I, I was trying to look for a way to describe the word, but it's really, they're called assets. Mm. And when we think about a, a business, 
really you've you you've got your balance sheet and you've got assets and liabilities and and so if you're if you're building an asset an, an energy system at your facility you are you are creating an asset and i think that that's something that really needs to be emphasized when you think about the 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 utilities and the and the centralized grid those major power plants, whether they're a nuclear power plant or a gas-fired power plant or or coal-fired power plants of the past, those are assets for those businesses as well. Same rationale can be held for a business that, that builds an energy system or an energy asset at their facility versus purely just purchasing energy, which is, a, is an operational expense. Or worse yet, purchasing energy and then having to to offset them in the form of carbon offsets or carbon credits. None of that purchasing of electrons through the centralized grid or supplementing the purchase of, of energy or, or electricity with carbon offsets or, or renewable energy credits. None of those are really assets. And so I think just the vernacular that we use can highlight the value of these systems. Yeah, 100%. I think the reason why we have on-site energy at the top of the pyramid is because in terms of deploying that asset, whether it be solar, storage, fuel cells, gas turbines, you are able to actually manipulate all three of those business drivers. You're able to manage, maintain, and or reduce your costs, especially in light of escalating utility rates. So even if you are cost neutral today, over the next 20 years, utility rates are only going to go up. And so you've locked in your rates and you can guarantee your cost base for a long period of time. You can manage your energy security because you've got the ability to generate and store your own energy on site and then being able to reduce your emissions by a given emission factor, which is super important. And I think for businesses that start by exploring energy efficiency, where you reduce your energy consumption as much as possible. And I think what surprised me most in this market, Dan, is we came into this market expecting a lot of businesses to have already completed all the energy efficiency work. And what we're learning is they've scratched the surface and deployed the LED light switch outs and maybe HVAC changes. But once you start looking at holistic operational excellence, it's still a, a market that has a long way to go. And I think energy efficiency alone can really help the energy transition. But then by deploying your own generating and storage assets, you are creating huge enterprise value. And I think you're absolutely spot on in terms of using the term asset. Yeah, yeah. When we expand that as well, one of the things that we find the market is valuing. So that when I say the market, meaning consumers, the so like the market of public opinion, if you will, the financial markets, they are very much valuing additionality. And additionality really means that you are creating something new. So that when we look at the, the inverted pyramid, certainly doing energy efficiency, you're doing something new. You're, you're, you're reducing your load. That's great. Deploying an onsite generation and or storage asset, you're adding something to the, to the, to the global system, if you will, that is additional. Even with offsite or virtual power purchase agreements, that, that starts to become an area where in some cases there is additionality. In some cases, companies are buying into assets that have already been up and running for, for many years. And, and there is some companies are, are, are very cognizant of that and really looking for net new projects. Others are, are okay buying into that, but that's where it starts to become a gray area. And then certainly when we get into, uh, recs and, and offsets, there's not as much additionality. Certainly there are opportunities to preserve 
areas that may have been cut down, but you're not necessarily adding assets to the world. Many thoughts on that, Gareth? Yeah, I think uh, this is a really interesting topic. I think we have to probably do an entire episode on what is carbon neutrality versus net zero. And I think this is a very complex situation all by itself. But particularly when it comes to if you've exhausted your energy efficiency and on-site energy options, and you're still facing emission reductions, or for many businesses, they've just ignored those first two high enterprise value opportunities, and they've gone for what is the easy button I can press to go to market and declare I've done something without necessarily actually having done a whole lot of additionality creation. I think the carbon offset market is quite a challenging one. I think when carbon offsets are voluntary, which is largely what the market is driven by today, we're seeing companies being caught out. And Delta Airlines is facing today a billion-dollar lawsuit where they claim that they were the first airline to be carbon neutral, and they went to market and purchased some carbon offsets. But the claim is, is that those offsets are really not valid and they are protecting assets that were never going to be cut down or used anyway, including forests and mangroves and things like that. So we completely applaud businesses who are making these commitments. And I'm seeing Delta Airlines doing a huge amount to really reduce their emissions. It's unfortunate that when businesses go down the route of buying these carbon credits without there being a sort of traceable, trackable, trusted rule-based system to ensure that you're buying offsets that are going to really move the needle and have an impact on your business and do create that additional additionality in terms of emission offsets. It's a very tenuous market. And that's what people get caught out with the whole greenwashing claims, which is then very hard to overcome. And I think as the market moves to pricing and additionality offsets, we're expecting the cost of these assets to go up almost 3,000%, according to Bloomberg, by 2029. And so that's what then leads into what I'd call energy transition extortion or climate extortion, where now you're paying for your increasing energy costs and you're trying to offset your emissions and you're paying a huge amount for the offsets, which are also going up in value. So now you're getting hit with a double whammy. Yeah. Companies are starting to see the writing on the wall. So let's dive into a little bit on when we think about the inverted pyramid, again, starting from the bottom and least or lowest amount of enterprise value being offsets and, and renewable energy certificates, then offsite PPAs and virtual power purchase agreements, then energy efficiency, and then at the top and most enterprise value, uh, onsite energy generation and storage. Why is it that most companies don't start from the top and work their way down, but they're actually working their way up from the bottom and, and starting with the easy button, as you said. So why why do you think it is that, that companies are going that path? I think business leaders generally have not really had to think about energy. You know, our utility has provided affordable, reliable power and sustainability wasn't really a thing until the last you know, five or 10 years in the energy space. And now businesses have been faced with having to manage all three of these risks of outages, costs, emission profiles. And it's very complex. It's very confusing. And business leaders are being peppered every day by suppliers in the market trying to sell them a service or a widget, you know, whether it's the next new technology, the next new renewable energy credit, the next new offsite power purchase agreement. And it's very challenging for businesses to know 
what the right approach is. So I'd say that's the biggest challenge, Dan. What do you think businesses should be doing to do it properly? Yeah, I think the biggest the biggest barrier is really understanding the possibilities. We talked about that on a, on a previous episode of really just the education side of things and understanding what's possible. Understanding that while historically it has been complex, you've got this massive kind of red ocean, if you will, of suppliers that are trying to trying to sell you their 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 widget or, or service, which most companies don't know is that in fact right for me or is that what's in fact right for them to sell me. So really understanding how to evaluate a large portfolio of assets, how to understand what is optimal at a particular site and and who are the right parties to to turn to when it comes to to actually deploying, operating, maintaining, uh, financing that system long term. Certainly, that's what we really try to tackle here at Vecta. There's some great parties out there, but it's really figuring out how do you engage with them in the right way. So I think the 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 exciting thing and the, and the biggest takeaway is that doing this and doing it right can actually dramatically increase the value of these companies. I think like just on a personal level, I, I know that when I installed solar on my house, that increased the value of my house. So in just the same way that the that, that business leaders should know that when they look at their balance sheet, they should really have a clear understanding that deploying these types of systems can can increase the value of their companies, not just the cost savings and, and not just the resilience and not just the sustainability, but, but actually deploying assets. Now, you're absolutely spot on. And that's what really excites me as well is with any transition, there are going to be winners and losers. And what is very exciting for us is seeing the businesses and the business leaders that are seeing this as a true opportunity to actually differentiate themselves and set their businesses up for success for decades to come by being proactive and getting ahead of it. Because those that wallow in uncertainty and struggle to make these commitments and decisions will end up losing business. Their cost base will go up, but they'll become less competitive. And uh, it becomes a very challenging problem to get out of. And I think uh, it's a super exciting space for those that really want to get after it because there's not too many levers within businesses where you can radically disrupt how your business operates. And this is certainly one of them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think it's an exciting time to be in the space and an exciting time for businesses. So let's wrap with uh, something that we're both excited about. I'll, I'll share a bit myself. I was reflecting a bit as I was having to stay in bed for a couple of days there of just my, my love of, of, of nature. Gareth knows I, I call it nature therapy when I can get out into the outdoors. And I was, I was looking at, at some of the photos behind me of places that I've, I visited or, or lived. And, and once I started feeling better on, on Sunday over the weekend, I was able to take my boys on a hike. And, and it's funny, I'm, I'm trying to instill that love with them. And, and at first they're like, oh, I don't want to go to that park. And, and the moment we get there and they start running on the trails and chasing squirrels and lizards and birds. And I, I just continue to hear, I love nature. I love nature, which as a father, there's, there's nothing that makes me happier. And I know you have a trip coming up too. Yeah, super excited. And I love that your kids are already embracing it, even though it may sometimes be a bit challenging to initially get them out. But yeah, I'm doing a bit of backcountry camping this weekend in uh, the Palisades Basin just outside of Mammoth with one of our investors, Paul Voice. So we did a trip last year. Looks like we're going to make it a bit of an annual tradition. Looks like two days are going to be pretty good. And then it's maybe going to get pretty nasty. So 
potentially even some snow up there. So it could be quite an adventure, but I'm excited to get out there, get out of some cell service and uh, do some wild camping. Love it. Love it. Well, you guys absolutely enjoy I'm jealous I can't make this trip, but count me in for next year. Sounds amazing. Well, that wraps up another great episode, Dan. Appreciate your time. And uh, there's a lot for us to dig into on this subject in more detail in future episodes. In summary, maximize the inverted pyramid, reduce your energy load as much as possible through energy efficiency, generate and store energy to offset as much of the rest, and then uh, only use your virtual power purchase agreements and carbon credit offsets to take up the rest. Get after it, make a difference, make an impact, and uh, be proactive, winner in the market. That's right. See you guys. Cheers. Bye. We receive a lot of questions from business leaders around the world wanting to learn more about the energy transition, what is possible, and where to start. So to help you stay informed and up to date on best practices, opportunities, risks, and success stories, we created an industry news feed at vector.com forward slash news with all our podcasts, blogs, and newsletter. Check it out and connect with Dan, myself, and the Vector team to learn more. Cheers, and have a good one.